Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're talking rookie wide receivers, advanced stats, and Debo Samuel on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome in to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I am Curtis Patrick alongside Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Dave, before we get into today's content, I want to pick your brain. I actually made two pretty big dynasty trades yesterday. Um, and I just want to you can you can offer feedback or just uh yeah, I like it or and nah, not so much. Um, or if you have a breakdown, that's cool too. But I'm just always looking for feedback. This first one. It's being met like with so much controversy on Twitter. I honestly thought it was a smash for me, but um, you know, maybe maybe I'm just differing from the community here. Uh, so I sent Javante Williams and Lavisca Chenault, and received Christian McCaffrey. Yep. What do you think about that? Uh, my anticipation would be that Twitter didn't like your move there, and uh, they. Yeah, they hate it. They hate it. It's probably it's probably I'd say three to one in favor of the Javante Williams and LaVisca Chenault side. People have turned on CMC. Everyone's bailing. Everyone's bailing. So my take on this is LaVisca Chenault, I think at this point, it's fair to say doesn't carry the same weight that he did heading into the season. Javante Williams definitely has a decent outlook. Does Javante Williams look like, though, he could ever become a Christian McCaffrey type of player? I don't think so. Christian McCaffrey right now, I think it's fair to say, isn't the Christian McCaffrey that we went into the season with because we have another season where he's missed a lot of games. All of that is true. However, even a handful of games this season from Christian McCaffrey, I think, could make a big difference for you. Um, Yes, we've now seen two seasons where he's had injuries. That doesn't mean that it's going to carry forward. Could it mean that you're never really going to get to cash in on the fact that you know how Christian McCaffrey on your team? Perhaps. But I do think here what you're going for is the uh, the reward over the risk. Because if you remove those injuries, this is a trade that I think that is pretty lopsided and skews toward your favor. Uh, and sometimes those are the type of moves that you have to make. And 
At the same time, it's possible that we just don't see Williams materialize in the way that we hoped that he would. So I think that people could say that you're speculating that you get McCaffrey back in and you get him close to what we were expecting. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of speculation on the other side that LaVisca Chenault becomes a guy that you could use in your starting roster. And then also that Williams kind of ascends past what he's doing right now, which I think probably does happen, but maybe not in the way that many would hope. Yeah, you broke it down kind of the way I I saw it, man. Um, you know, Javante Williams, I think, is headed a little bit more towards a Josh Jacobs type fantasy profile. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing. I mean, the the Broncos have had every opportunity as you know, seeing him as the more efficient player, um, and them being in a very tight AFC West division, they need the ball in the hands of their biggest playmakers and. Um, everything that we've seen on the field suggests that he should be getting the ball uh, with a lot more frequency than Melvin Gordon. I mean, he has one of the highest evasive rates in the league um, already, but even if they give him a bell cow uh, share of the rushing opportunity, the Broncos don't look like a team that are going to pepper their back with 80 plus targets. So I just see Javante Williams ceiling right now with the current regime as a low end RB one, not a high end RB one. And the, and the difference might as well be the grand Canyon in dynasty or in redraft between a high end RB one and a back end RB one. Um, it's, it's the same as the difference between a high end wide receiver one and, you know, a middling or low end wide receiver two. It's just a chasm. It's like 10 points a week difference. Uh, so you're right. I'm definitely playing the ceiling shooter, shoot, swing or swing, man. That's, that's my thought on that deal. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, hopefully I don't find myself crying, you know, 12 months from now, the other, the other trade, you know, quickly, this is a super flex league. This was a trade with a, a friend of the podcast, JJ Zacharyson. Oh, nice. Um, and my, yeah, big time trade. We talked about this for, we actually agreed in principle on Sunday morning, I think. And we had to wait for all the games to, uh, you know, for, well, the London, I think the London game had already started, so we couldn't, we couldn't do the trade at that point um, because of our league setting. So I sent Russell Wilson and my 2022 first to JJ. This is super flex. And I received Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, and a 2022 third. Hmm. Say that to me again. I sent Russell Wilson. Okay. Yep. Can't use him right now. Right. Obviously yep. high end guy, but can't use him right now. And my, presumed mid to late 2022 first you know it's a long season and you think it happened yep. but obviously i'm going for it here right uh and i received matthew stafford tom brady and a 2022 third Ooh, i like that i like that did twitter have the same reaction here that they didn't that they they like jj side better actually um funny enough i posted the i posted both of these this morning um when they went down and I think people just it people are being nice. They don't want to pick a side, you know, between me and JJ. You know, the other trade is with like a name, a, a faceless name. I didn't say who it was with. Um, and this one, it just has a lot of likes and literally no comments. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think if if anybody doesn't like it one way or another, they're just being kind, uh, both to JJ and I, which we appreciate. But at the same time, I think this deal works for both of us. Yeah. JJ's gonna punt this year and he obviously can't start Russell Wilson. So that works out with his strategy. Um, and then he is, you know, obviously hoping that, that my team 
doesn't perform, uh, collecting my first there. But what I really liked, and, and I think the takeaway before we get into the episode here from a dynasty perspective and super flex, this is a roster where I have Jalen Hurts as my QB1. Well, I had Russell Wilson as my QB1. Jalen Hurts becomes my QB1. And I had Deshaun Watson, which is a total wild card. So in bringing on Stafford, he he effectively this year, you know, or on my roster effectively replaces Russell Wilson. They're about the same age. Russ is not running anymore. And honestly, I kind of see them as similar fantasy assets, even though Stafford will not carry the dynasty weight or value of Russell Wilson just because of their career trajectories at this point. But Tom Brady, I mean, he's like a potential like league winner, at least playoff maker in Dynasty right now. And uh, his values really in trades really is only about, you know, super flex future second. It's going to cost you more than that. So the way to acquire him is in a package like this, where his value kind of gets hidden in the deal. Um, So I'm excited about it. You know, I've I've covered myself with some outs if Jalen Hurts doesn't keep the job next year or if Deshaun Watson doesn't, you know, play in the NFL again. I'm much deeper at quarterback now. Um, and I'm fine on this squad with the idea of me potentially winning it, giving up, you know, a very late 2022 first for Tom Brady um, and a 2022 third effectively. So anyway, hey, starting the pod with a couple of dynasty deals. Hopefully that'll get your, uh, you know, your wheels turning for your leagues. And, you know, we if you want to leave us uh, some of the deals that you've made, Dave will be dropping the number you can call for the pod at the end of the show. Uh, But Dave, it's the second show of the week, and it's time to talk some advanced stats related to rookie wide receivers. Yeah, so some really interesting stuff that I dug up here, Curtis, this week after we talked about Jamar Chase and how great of a start he has had. I went in, pulled up some of the advanced stat stuff, the first thing I did in the advanced stats explorer was I limited my search in the wide receiver position to players that have 20 targets at this point so that things wouldn't be skewed by players that haven't been routinely getting used and maybe broke a big play on their five targets. So the first thing I looked at was yards per route. And I'm going to preface all of what we're looking at here, as I always do when we look at the advanced stats stuff, saying that you're not going to see in every category all of the best players in the league at the top of that category. You might see some players that you really don't think are that good. That's fine. But generally, if you start looking across a large variety of these different metrics, you'll start to see that the really elite players pop in not all of them, but a pretty decent amount. Um, So it's always a good signal when you see players landing at the top of these leaderboards. So yards per route. Right now, Devonte Adams, Cooper Cup are one and two, followed by Jamar Chase at number three with 3.6 yards per route. Then you got Debo Samuel. Who's behind Debo? Rondale Moore at 3.3. Brandon Cooks, then Kadarius Tony at 3.1. So in the top seven players, Curtis, we have three rookies. But what's really interesting, and after I strip out the players that didn't see 20 targets, we have about 75 wide receivers for a little context. The players with the lowest yards per route, Jalen Waddell is on that list. He's in the bottom 15. Terrace Marshall Jr., Diami Brown, and Elijah Moore all at the bottom. Now, for Waddell, this might not be that bad because with the way that the Dolphins has been have been using him, um, I can see why his yards per route might be kind of low. Uh, 
but really the focus here is just on the top end for Chase, Moore, and Tony. So the next thing I went and I looked at was uh, receptions per catchable pass percentage. Uh, at the top of the list, in the top seven, who do we see? Rondell Moore in the top 15, Kadarius Tony. Now, this is where things get interesting. The bottom of the board, in the bottom 15, we have Terrace Marshall Jr., Diami Brown, and Elijah Moore again appearing in the bottom. I said, all right, what else can I look at? Yards after contact per reception. The player that leads everybody with 5.7 yards after contact per reception, Curtis, Rondale Moore, who also happens to be right towards the top in yards after the catch per reception, which is obviously a function of the yards after the contact. Those are correlated. But you also have in the top 10 of yards after contact per reception, Jamar Chase, and Kadarius Tony. So not only are these guys doing a good job of accruing a lot of yardage, they're doing a good job after there's contact, and they're doing a good job of actually catching the ball on catchable passes. So this is pretty wild, man. And then yards after the catch per reception, only Debo Samuels ahead of Rondell Moore. You have Quez Watkins at three, then Kadarius Tony, Jamar Chase, again in the top 15. The final thing we'll talk about here evasion percentage and it's not surprising that some of these players score highly given what we just talked about because evasion percentage is going to include um broken tackles and missed tackles you have Kadarius tony at the top of the list with an evasion percentage of 57 percent behind him kendrick Bourne at 33 rondell moore at 33 jamar chase gets into the mix behind Devontae Adams, uh, Kenny Galladay, A.J. Green, D.K. Metcalf, LaVisca Chenault. And then Jalen Waddell is in the top 20. So these numbers are all are really interesting to me, uh, especially as it relates to the way that we're thinking about valuing these guys in Dynasty. I know you talked about the fact that Chase has to be at the top of your Dynasty boards. And if people were concerned that you could be overvaluing Jamar Chase at this point because he has had a lot of touchdowns at the start of the year. The target volume he's been super efficient with. There are now a lot of other things that you could look at. And yes, some of these are efficiency. But again, when you see a player landing on so many of these different lists along guys like Devonta Adams, Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, Antonio Brown, DK Metcalf on a lot of these lists, it's hard to look away from that. So things very positive, I have to say, for Jamar Chase, Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony. And the thing that I'm really focusing on here with Rondale Moore is with the way that Arizona's offense has been functioning, we talked about how the opportunity has been fairly evenly distributed, more or less between the receivers. But Rondale Moore has had a couple of games where he hasn't put together very lofty point totals, and he's been good. But I don't think that people are realizing just how good he's been in some of these metrics if they're only looking at fantasy points. So this could present an opportunity where we can say, all right, Rondell Moore might be even better than people are realizing right now. And you can factor that into any dynasty moves that you want to make. So very exciting stuff for Chase, Moore, and Tony. Waddle, I think that it's a little bit in the middle. I was a big fan of Waddle coming to school. I still think that he's done enough at this point to merit a similar type of valuation that I had heading into the season. Do start to worry, though, about Marshall Jr., Brown, and Elijah Moore. 
we'll have to pay more attention to that as the season goes along. But some really wild stuff there, right, man. Any reaction to that? Um, it's it's definitely great. Uh, I think in in particular, the, I mean, the advanced stat that I'm most familiar with and, and I've used for several years is the yards per route run. Um, and that's proven itself out over time. Like Julio Jones is like the all-time goat um, in this metric. And it's just one that if you chase it year after year, you're typically going to find yourself um, with a collection of of great wide receivers. And so to we're not halfway into the season yet, but we're getting pretty close. And to see, you know, three, uh, three players with significant draft capital um, and two of those three players with actually having great college profiles and more in chase. And then Tony, I mean, was lo- beloved by, uh, you know, a lot of the film uh, community. Uh, whereas, the, you know, um, our process that's a little bit more statistical, uh, statistically based didn't really love Tony. Um, but others with different processes did like him. Um, and, you know, that was kind of supported uh, by the NFL with the draft capital that he received. So seeing these three guys, you know, put up Sterling leading indicator metrics this early, I mean, I think it's safe to say you you should chase them. Um, no pun intended, but chase is obviously the most expensive of the bunch right now. And so I think what you're really highlighting for me is, it's an opportunity potentially um, to extract more or Tony who aren't elite fantasy producers yet. Um, if their manager in your dynasty league is in a very much a win now window, but is kind of forced to start either one of those players. If it's a, uh, you know, if it's like one of our road of his triflex dynasty leagues where you have to start three wide receivers, um, you know, that might be a situation where you could move an aging player like an Adam Thielen, who's still producing at a, a very high level um, and, and you package something else in there and then get one of these younger guys um, who it looks like the runway is very clear for. Um, so, you know, I, and I really appreciate, I guess, the process, Dave, of not relying too heavily on any one of these metrics, but kind of laying them all out. And, you know, when, when you heat map, uh, a bunch of different metrics and the same guys keep showing up in green, you know, that's good. Um, and, and anyone can understand that. Um, and so if, if these, if these metrics go over your head at all a little bit, um, you can at least take away that look, these guys are showing up favorably in, in a lot of different ways. Some um, speak to their usage in the offense and some speak to um, what they do with the ball after it's already in their hands. And when you combine those things, role um and perf- individual performance and, and the guys are showing up favorably in, in both sets of metrics i mean that's great um that's the that's the d- double aim that we're looking for uh when we're looking for dynasty trade targets so um yeah i, I think that's great man i think um let's head over you talked about debo samuel with a couple of these metrics let's do a dynasty price check Yeah, so the guy that I wanted us to focus on a little bit, Debo Samuel, for a couple of reasons. One, this guy has been absolutely crushing it in best ball portfolios, right? Two, I think that uh, it might be surprising to learn just how good he's scored in a lot of metrics. He's fifth in receiving yards, eight in total touchdowns, seven in Whopper, six in Racer, eight in PPR, Three in PPR per game, five in expected points per game. Uh, as I mentioned, he's been great after the catch. He ranks two in yards after the catch 
per reception, sixth in team target percentage at 33. He had a 34-point game against Detroit to start the year off, a 36-point game against Seattle in week four, and then you know a couple of, of less impressive performances, but still averaging 22.4 points per game, Curtis. So I know we each just made passes through our dynasty rankings. It's a little bit interesting to me what you do with a guy like Debo Samuel, because I do feel like what we've seen from him so far is probably towards the ceiling. I mean, how can you get much higher than those numbers that I just rattled off? Kittle has been banged up. Kittle hasn't been available, hasn't been available. Um, so do, do we factor that in? Where do we land on him? I will say between the two of us um, in the, and Sean, Samuel is in the top 15 of dynasty rankings. Uh, I personally don't think that I could move him up past like wide receiver eight under any circumstances, but I could see an argument for somebody slating him in around wide receiver 10. So how impressed have you been with Samuel so far? And do you kind of agree with the idea that he's probably at the ceiling and it feels like a ceiling that he probably has to come down from a little bit that he might not be able to sustain this going forward for a year or two? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, and, and these are blinded processes, by the way. Uh, you and I and Sean in our Superflex Dynasty Rankings update from the last week, we all landed um, at a valuation that's essentially uh, a, a, a Dynasty rookie first and a pair of Dynasty rookie seconds. So just shy of two first, two random firsts in Dynasty Superflex. Um, we, we all landed within 0.15 uh, of each other in our in our value system. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, I definitely can see my, I could even see myself, um, pushing him up a little bit. He's kind of in a tier for me. If I look at my own, uh, I'm just going to sort by my own rankings yep. now. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, you should probably have Debo Samuel above T Higgins. I didn't have him above T Higgins in my last update. Um, but Samuel is like the unquestioned alpha, at least for this year in his offense. And I don't think T Higgins will ever be the unquestioned alpha ever again in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be chase. Um, and so, you know, when you start really like dicing this up and dynasty value, it's not just what will you do for me over the next, you know, two to three years. It's what are you doing for me this year? Like this year's points are the only real points. And they're the points that we can most accurately predict because a lot of things can change in the off season. And 
I don't think much will change for the rest of the season. Um, I think that Samuel will continue to have some boom games. We've seen him have a couple down weeks, um, you know, but, but even the down week, you know, in a down week, he still scores what LaVisca Chenault scores. <laughs> you know, we were talking about him earlier at the top of the pot. I mean, Samuel's worst week, he scored 10.2 PPR. And he's been at least at 16 points in every other week. Um, George Kittle's on IR. Brendan Ayuk still in the doghouse. Um, they don't throw to the running backs. And he's had some of these games now with two different quarterbacks. Um, he's posting points with Jimmy Garoppolo and with Trey Lance. So when I look at him versus T. Higgins, um, I think, you know, maybe I should have him a little higher. When I look at him even versus Calvin Ridley, you know, Cal- Calvin Ridley uh, has not been hurt. He missed, you know, a game due to personal reasons. But that Atlanta offense is kind of in transition like the San Francisco offense. But we saw Kyle Pitts emerge in the in the week that Ridley was out. Um, now, perhaps, you know, his ceiling is a little bit more capped. And he hasn't been producing at the level that he did um, last year when Julio was still in town either. Um, when I think about Debo Samuel versus Terry McLaurin, neither one has a great quarterback situation. Um, they're both unquestioned alphas in their offense. Um but why would they be, I, you know, I think it's just a, a situation where Debo is catching up to the value of these other guys in the tier. And so you just have to individually lay it out. Like that's how you're going to arrive at the accurate value. Um, a couple other guys like DK Metcalf. Okay. I don't think it's a chasm. No, it's not. I mean, it's I think not a chasm. I, I, it's, it's just not, it's just not a chasm. Seattle has shown that they will not. It, they're not going to give DK truly elite volume. They're just not going to do it. They're definitely not equipped to do it for the next half season, at least, or what quarter season uh, with Geno Smith. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare uh, against Pittsburgh on the road. You know, maybe we'll get a little bit of improvement and some easier matchups, but you know, and, and then, then you just think about laying them out against AJ Brown. Okay. How are their situations very much like, how are they that different? AJ's just a little bit younger, but he's had some injury history. Debo hasn't had that. Neither one of them has an elite quarterback situation. Both teams want to run first. Like, when you start looking at it, it even if you don't value Debo the same as these other players, what it does is creates trade opportunities for you because you start thinking, if I make this swap in my lineup, does it, does it change my weekly ceiling or my weekly floor very much? The answer is clearly no to that rhetorical. Um, And so what can I get? You know, Debo's coming off a bye week. It's been quiet. This is a great week to trade for him. Uh, Great. You know, what have you done for me lately in the last week? Debo's done nothing. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, a player coming off of a hot week or a big week, you know, it, it just creates all kinds of opportunities. Maybe you, maybe you are the manager for Devontae Adams and you're scared about, holding that bag after Rogers potentially leaves town and Adams is, you know, near the age cliff for a wide receiver who, who doesn't win with, you know, elite athleticism, um, et cetera. There's just all kinds of trade opportunities. So even though we've got Debo at wide receiver 15, you know, out of, you know, the trio here that, that have done these rankings, it's very easy to create a case. And I, I actually like quite like your point of saying, maybe I could raise him as high as wide receiver eight. I mean, honestly, beyond Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, and maybe C.D. Lamb, you can start to at least talk yourself into deals involving all of the other players, plus, you know, some 
you know, small but attainable draft pick consideration or, you know, a, a nice throw in player to non-essential position um, to, to bridge a gap. So, yeah, th- that's that's the way that I like to do this, you know, week after week until I feel comfortable you know, with, with the player's value. So anything you would want to respond to there on this dynasty price check? I guess the, just the final thing that I would say is I think the larger takeaway from it. And, you know, I said like, maybe I could get him as high as eight for people listening. What really matters more. And you, you've touched upon this a number of times. I think even tonight is not so much where he's slating in, in that specific rank. What matters is just that he's getting in the conversation with some of the players that you mentioned and the difference between he and these other players isn't that great. So when you're considering making moves and you're considering making trades, that's really one of the things that you're going to be looking at, which is why I, I really enjoy the way that our rankings are presented, where you're kind of getting a sense of if you were to convert the player into a draft pick, what that value would be. And it just kind of helps with the comparison. But I do want to talk about one other possible trade scenario, and this time for a redraft league that I was kind of thinking about. I'm going to try to get through it pretty quickly. So the deep dive may not be the most appropriate sound effect in earnest. Nonetheless, though, it's the one that I went with. So, Curtis, I was looking at the strength of schedule streaming app. And one player that popped out to me is kind of interesting. And then actually his backup is Miles Sanders. And that's because Philadelphia has the easiest schedule of all running backs for the rest of the season. And they also have a very, very easy playoff schedule. Week f- weeks 14 to 17, depending on how your league is going to do it this year, very favorable schedule for them. Now, Sanders, disappointment, started the season with 17.3 points, has been an RB3 or worse every week since, only going over 10 points one time. Um, the opportunity, averaging 13.3 Behind him, you have Kenneth Gainwell at 7.3 opportunities per game. You have, through six games, Sanders and Gainwell both seeing 3.8 targets per game, 9.5 attempts for Sanders to 3.5 for Gainwell. And I'm grouping Gainwell in here because I think the question is applicable to him as well. But one thing that has kind of held these guys back, especially in the case of Sanders, is and I will say in their last three games, their scoring has been nearly identical. Still, though, there's been four more expected, expected points for Sanders. But Jalen Hurts has four rushing touchdowns this year. Kenny Gainwell has two. Miles Sanders has zero. So that is not helping. Being a running back in an offense that is not producing touchdowns frequently uh, from the running back position, not the type of offense that you like to be investing in players. But given what we've seen of the schedule and the whole reason I started looking at these players was last year. If people remember David Montgomery off to a pretty slow start, played a tough schedule. I can remember on one podcast looking at the tool saying, look, David Montgomery, his fortunes should change. Chicago has an easy schedule down the way. Maybe things flip. Now I feel less inclined to say that we're going to see something similar from Sanders this year where things will flip, but I still think it's something we need to keep in mind because whether you think that the guy that you get in your trade is Sanders or Gainwell, these are both backs right now whose value might be depressed compared to what it could be throughout the rest of the season. If you're on a team that is struggling and you could make a move for one of these guys, perhaps you do have some players at wide receiver, a piece or two at tight end that you can incorporate into a trade and you're not, your team isn't doing good. The odds that you could find somebody 
that is going to approximate the potential scoring that these guys could have down the stretch is probably going to be hard to do. So that's a reason that you could go ahead and make a move for these guys. Or if you're on a team that's a contender and you have some pieces you can move, why not add some running back depth? So I am not entirely sure how sound of a decision this would be and how much I really like it, Curtis. I do think I have some teams where I could see actually trying to make a move to capitalize on the possibility of the turn in fortune. But what do you think of A, kind of like this process of looking at it, and then B, in this specific, uh, would either of these guys be targets for you? Well, you laid out a great, a great application for, I mean, this is, this is kind of like the secondary application for the strength of schedule streaming app. You know, I mean, I think that it's most clear utility, uh, is in, you know, waiver wire targets, uh, single week pickups, streamers, start sits, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but you know, you can customize, uh, the week sample that you want to look at. Um, and, and you're right. David Montgomery ended up being a smash, uh, for many of us at Rotoviz last year, even though a lot of us aren't necessarily David Montgomery fans. Um, he, he became a league winner over the last part of the season and, you know, what kind of got us there, you know, were some, some of our analysts, uh, identifying Montgomery as somebody who had a, an improved schedule. So I think the process is sound, you know, we've had success with it in recent, um, seasons, you know, I think another thing, just like Contextually, the Eagles are clearly still trying to figure out what they are. Um, they didn't stop trying to move Zach Ertz. You know, they're clearing a, a runway for Dallas Goddard um, and or other players to get on the field more. Um, and, you know, over the last two weeks, Sanders has kind of regained, you know, even though they're not using their backs, you know, in an elite way for fantasy, from a fantasy perspective, Sanders has looked more like the clear lead back in the committee over the last two weeks versus what we saw in the first handful of weeks. And so things are trending correctly for him. And, you know, I think a similar backfield to compare the Eagles to over the the latter half of the season, you know, just reminds me a lot of what Arizona, it's like, it's like a a B minus version of the Arizona backfield. Right. And, you know, Sanders is getting pretty similar usage to chase Edmonds. He just hasn't been as efficient, but even chase Edmonds hasn't scored any touchdowns. And, you know, we sit here staring at him and he is what, as of this podcast, I mean, he's RB 17 in PPR leagues without scoring any touchdowns. So even if we don't see things tilt back to the positive for Sanders, if he can just become a little bit more efficient, which, you know, if he's playing against weaker defenses against the running back position, you would expect a boost in efficiency. Um, You know, he could look like a middling RB two. Um, which, you know, that's, that's a nice jump. It's an extra two and a half to three points a week. And in the context of a full team lineup, I mean, that's, that's the difference in, in wins and losses. Um, so, so, so I really don't mind it. And that's again, speaking to, even if he doesn't add the touchdowns in, um, you, you know, but I, I think that's the way that I would look at it is like, it's, you know, the, the, the floor could be similar to what we see out of the Arizona backs there. Um, and, and I do think there is probably more of a gap overall in terms of overall skill set between Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell versus what we see in like clear different, you know, running back skill sets in Arizona, complementary skill sets from Chase Edmonds and Connor. Like I actually don't yep. expect for Chase Edmonds to get those rushing touchdowns. Um, Kyler Murray is going to continue to get them and Connor is going to get all the short ones. And in Philly, yes, Jalen Hurts is going to get his. 
but those carries from in close could go to Sanders or Gainwell. There's not like a clear advantage physically or in terms of skill set, who should get what. Um, so I don't mind it. I think it's a good place to speculate. I think that the big question is, Dave, if you're going to suggest it, like who you're going to, who's going to throw out there? What type of deal are you going to make in a redraft league to go get Miles Sanders? Who's a player that's producing at a, a better clip? Cause it's got to be a, you know, it's got to be, it's got to, in redraft trades are very tricky. And the ones that you send, they have to be speculative. The other owner almost has to be like, why wouldn't I accept this? It's even harder to get it done. It's got to be a clear win or you got to be bailing them out of some huge injury or bi-week trouble or something. Got any suggestions? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I think that you have to include a player that has a fairly big name that you're speculating on things going down on. You know, what I actually might even try to do is make a move maybe with a package that involves me sending T Higgins for Miles Sanders and another player that could get into my lineup. I don't know why T Higgins was the first name that came to mind. <laughs> I think it's because I have well, him on a lot of teams him. that are wide receiver heavy, but it does feel yeah. kind of crazy to okay. include T Higgins in a move. So he's probably a little bit too much of a name at this point. Um, you know, I talked about making a move for Sterling Shepard, but I also wonder if you could move a guy like him too, if the other owner actually has Shepard. So this is a terrible answer to that question. No, it's it's all right, but I think we can we can cling on to the process here. So um the types of teams where you would want to make a move for Sanders, these are these are probably zero running back or hero running back teams where you're or teams where you've just been decimated by injury, like teams that have become zero RB, even though they weren't originally, um, you know, those are the teams where you're going to want to trade for Sanders. I don't, we're not saying that he's a potential league winner and that he's a must go, uh, you know, a must target guy yeah. in these deals. But if you can, if you can make a downgrade in terms of name brand at another position without actually sacrificing production, like this is where I actually think it's possible you know, to bring on a player like, you know, Emmanuel Sanders or, so, you know, right. somebody who's not considered to be his team's clear alpha. And maybe that's even shooting too high because he has been pretty hot of late, you know, maybe even shooting a little lower, like Cole Beasley, same team, even Cole, Cole Beasley um, or uh, Sterling Shepard or Darnell Mooney, you know, th that type of range of player that's like wide receiver four with wide receiver three upside weekly and moving a player like Higgins, who's in a team that's got flat wide receiver usage and is t touchdown dependent. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good example, man. I uh, really do think it's a good example. So um, listen, uh, cling on to the process, not necessarily specific names. Yeah. Of course, Miles Sanders is not the only player that, um, you know, you could unearth using the strength of schedule streaming app for yourself. So definitely encourage you to get in there and play around um, with that app. Look at it for each position. And, you know, we are entering bye week hell, Dave. We really so are. So you can look. We, we are. I've seen it all over social media today. I love it. Um, it is it is definitely uh, an atrocious looking couple weeks ahead. Um, so if, if, if bye weeks are compounding on your injury troubles, the Strength of Schedule streaming app is a great tool to help you find some sneaky production. Uh, in places maybe where you wouldn't expect to see it. And to get ahead of it, right? That's one of the key things. Like every week, I am looking at my rosters 
thinking about when my bye weeks are going to hit. And then I start looking at the teams. I'll filter out for the weeks where I know I'm going to have some bye week trouble. And then I identify the players that I might want to start to add before other owners might be looking for players for that coming week. Uh, so that's a bit of a process, but if you want to get ahead of the game, strength of schedule streaming app is one of the best ways to do it. And I use it all the time heading into the playoff stretch to get the defenses that are going to have the matchups. That's one of the things that it's really, really helpful for is getting ahead of maybe you can start to stockpile some defenses when you're in weeks 11 or 12 and you're gearing up for the playoffs. But that's all that we have for the people this episode, I believe, Curtis, any uh, parting words before we get out of here? Um, no, uh, I, I think we just want to remind ourselves here. We can drop the the number to call uh, to the pod. If you want to share a dynasty trade that you've made, maybe get a, if it's a good one, if it's a spicy one, uh, maybe Dave and I will mention it on the show later this week and give you a little feedback. Uh, we will drop the number in the uh, show liner on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you can listen. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>